Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Not you. Not you. Not you. So many open windows. And definitely not you. But definitely you. Well, hello. 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 Will Young here at the Wellbeing Lab. Domino's on the move. Let's just wait for him. Oh dear, you're trapped by a bin, Domino. What's she going to do? Go on, you lie down. Hello, it's Will and Domino at the Wellbeing Lab. This week, I went forest bathing, and in today's episode, that's what we're going to do. We travelled to some ancient woodlands in Surrey to meet the founders and directors of the Forest Bathing Institute to talk about the benefits of nature for our mental health. And first off, we all sat on a picnic blanket in a clearing surrounded by glorious nature uh, and talked, after which they showed me some forest bathing practices and i can't wait for you to hear this episode let's find out who my guests are hi my name is gary evans i'm the director of the forest bathing institute i'm from croydon in surrey hello my name is olga evans and i'm the co-founder and director of the forest bathing institute originally from russia but i've been living here for 15 years so half my life my name is william i'm from hunkerford um where are we let's start with that so we're sitting in an ancient woodland just outside of Guildford at Newton's Corner and it is a magnificent example of Mother Nature's work, you could say. So we've run hundreds of forest bathing sessions here for a wide range of decision makers, universities, where people flying in from across the world and lots of charities in the area are now enjoying the benefits and reporting um, how beneficial the sessions are. So let's talk about what is forest bathing and how did you come across it in your lives? So we first discovered forest bathing when I was Google searching what are the health benefits of ancient trees and we came across the work of Professor Lee in Japan who's a medical professor and he conducted some groundbreaking science with a number of colleagues looking at the physiological changes that take place inside the body when exposed to nature and it was just such an amazing concept and Olga and I on our honeymoon at the end of 2015 were talking about our lives and what we wanted to put our hearts into and it just felt like there was such a missed opportunity for the UK when you can use nature and you can connect it to the healthcare system and they've demonstrated it's possible now in Japan and South Korea to help millions of people and of course once you've educated people and empowered them how to use these spaces then it's a free resource the vast majority of the time so it's been an interesting journey. So we were certainly instrumental in bringing forest bathing to the UK. We've probably done 300 plus interviews at this point and we're both peer-reviewed authors. And at this point we've got universities across the world basically lining up to do a lot of replication of the Japanese research but also expansion. So what's the maximum expression of using nature for communities and health? So that's really our ongoing question. Yeah, now what is that? That's very interesting. Can you talk a bit more about that? 
Yeah, so I guess one of the most thrilling things that's happened was that we actually managed to get connected to our original source of inspiration, Professor Lee in Japan. So we've had a conference call with him and he's now our scientific advisor. So nature medicine is actually the subject. So the, the main advice for anybody listening is that it's good for us to get out as regularly as possible into a park, a woodland or a forest if you can. And that's for preventative health care to help our mental health. You can feel a bit overwhelming indoors after long periods. So just getting outside, looking at the sky, listening to the birds can really do us a world of good. But there are other applications of nature. So where is it appropriate to go forest bathing for rehabilitation medicine? So like we've been talking to uh, cancer units at hospitals. So if people have been through this very difficult process and obviously a lot of um, challenging emotions, could there be applications in that scenario? And in Japan, they've also looked at using forest bathing in, as an alternative for some people in, instead of taking blood pressure um, medication. So they measured a blood pressure reduction tablet dropping blood pressure by about six points where you're also able to drop blood pressure by about six points with a two-hour forest bathing session so if you know it works like that then of course you can give people an alternative and that really makes a lot of sense so that's the, the bit that we're we're fighting for with the university research because it takes a long time and a lot of effort but we'd like at least like people to have an option and so those with the inclination can choose forest bathing and mindfulness in nature and also, as you were saying, I guess it's a free resource, isn't it? Mm. People can come and do it themselves. Obviously, people come to you and you take them through guided meditations mm -hmm. to you and, and mindfulness. What will happen when people come here? What will you take them through? What experience will you take them through? So really, forest bathing is a label for mindfulness in nature. But all we're really doing is reminding people of how they were when they were young. So it's how, how we were when we were mesmerised by a butterfly flying past. We were in the present moment, really um, still and paying attention to the patterns and the colours on the wings and mesmerised by the natural beauty. It didn't get um, any less interesting when we got older. We just stopped paying so much attention, the most of us. So what we aim to do on a forest bathing session is just slow people down and remind them of perhaps of what they used to enjoy if they were lucky enough to spend time in nature as a child or introduce them to something um, entirely new and enjoyable if they weren't able to be. But this type of environment, ancient woodland with the magnificence of the biodiversity and just a whole range of species, just so easy to enjoy and feels nurturing, enriching and rewarding. I mean, that's the feedback here from thousands of people, including the most vulnerable in society. So it means a lot to all of us, I would say, at this point. Yeah, there feels like, and I heard you say nurturing, the woods feel like or trees they're quite often represented even in sort of fantasy literature and i'm saying this because i've just been to a lecture on fantasy by the way but there's kindness mm. to trees it seems and even as we were talking on the way here how you were saying how trees support each other or they live together in couples or they live together in families mm. it feels very i get a sense of sort of kindness and support here in the woods I've, yes. never, I've never sort of read about trees being like horrible, <laughs> malevolent, you know, baddies. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Certainly when some people have had emotions that have come to the surface after holding them for a long time during a session, you feel held by the forest. A lot of people have felt that way. Like it is a safe space to be able to let go of some things that have been challenging. So when you're under the canopy, yeah, it, it, it does feel like it's holding you and nurturing you. 
And I certainly know from people attending a lot of our sessions that the vast majority of us need more nurturing in our lives. Do you think it's quite a good model for society, the way the woods work, the way trees work? We can learn from that. We've got the ideal model for society in ancient woodland so yeah so once we understand the differences between yeah how mother nature grows the forests and trees compared to the plantation woodlands which are more yeah more like nurseries because they're on a 50-year life cycle but when we look at the connected forests so we do know that the mycorrhizal fungal networks at Newlands Corner which is connecting the trees or the vast majority of them together so they can support each other and then we understand that the trees with more resources are sharing it with the trees that are in need or need more resources. The resilience of the forest is far higher if they're all strong, healthy and happy. So scientists are obviously trying to grapple with why is all this sharing taking place and is it purely for selfish reasons, but it could just be because it's the right thing to do. Mm. If you're a caring individual and you see somebody that needs help then in the heart basically wants to help. So if the trees are working on, on that level, then um, it doesn't need to be any more complicated than that. But they're certainly all healthier if they're all stronger. Um, and if there are weak trees amongst them, that's where the disease can start and spread. And in a connected forest, we know from Professor Susan Simar that they're able to send distress signals through this network under the ground so the trees can warn each other if there's insects coming. So different types of activity are, are prevented, you can say, in the natural woodlands that impact the plantations. And one of the most beautiful examples, really, of how much we have to learn was in Canada. They, they were sampling the woodland and the bears take the salmon from the river and eat it underneath some of the bigger, older trees. Now, they can measure the type of carbon that comes from the salmon when it rots into the soil and they realised that that carbon was travelling through this mycorrhizal fungal network for up to 15 to 20 miles into the forest. So the bears on the river were basically um, helping to fertilise an area, you can think of like 40 miles around that river. But what happens if you take the bears away? So there's all of these unseen in interactions that we're only starting to learn about, the interactions between the species, so if you don't understand how all of the millions of interactions are taking place, how can you understand how to manage that type of location? But obviously nature takes care of itself in that way if it's given the space. And that's why, yeah, rewilding and things like that are so important. Yes, people seem to be just beginning to learn about those kind of things. Olga, do you want to talk about mindfulness and how you help people when they come and, and all that? Sure. So the mindfulness aspect is very key to our sessions because this is really, as Gary said, mindfulness in nature, forest bathing. But also what I wanted to add is that actually we did a study with the University of Derby comparing mindfulness indoors and mindfulness outdoors. And mindfulness outdoors seems to be easier for some people because rather than staying with your thoughts, or sometimes rumination of thoughts when you just start doing mindfulness exercises, in nature your attention is naturally driven to all these relaxing elements which induces the relaxation effect on you. So many people who struggle with 
meditation or mindfulness, this could be a really good thing for them to do because you don't have to sit in your own room or just be silent. You can just look outside, be quiet, enjoy, and then you can progress to any type of meditation you want. And for us, it's really about slowing down because when we slow down our nervous system switches from this fight or flight where we're always running, always doing things, to parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest and digest and recuperate, which we really need to be in 80% of the time, but we are actually 80% of the time in sympathetic nervous system, fight and flight. And that's why many things like anxiety, depression, they actually get worse because we're only speeding up. But in fact, in order to recover, we need to start slowing down. So the main thing for us is making sure people are comfortable, well-dressed always, because that's why Gary's always layering up. It's our habit. And just relax, just sit, just breathe, enjoy the surroundings, listen to the sound of the birds, and just uh, stay with yourself. And sometimes emotions come up. For me, even though I'm doing it every day, every day I feel something comes up just because of our life and it's normal. And I think it's okay to let things come up. It's okay to release whatever you need to because life is not easy, but nature can definitely help. It's interesting you saying actually about people maybe finding it easier to access mindfulness and meditation by being outside because actually we're sitting here and I'm feeling the sun on my face sort of coming through the shadows, a bit of warmth, lots of different bird sounds, which we can probably hear is being recorded on the mic, lots of different colours, lots of different shadows, lots of different textures. So everything that I'm sort of feeling through my senses is very relaxing. I can't hear any planes, can't hear any shouting, can't hear any cars, no nasty smells. You know, no pollution or anything. So that it does seem like a, a sort of warm blanket for the senses. So it makes sense yeah. that it would be easier to access mindfulness in a place like this. Yeah. So if you think about us in the cities, we've only been in cities for the last hundreds of years. But actually before that, we used to live in this kind of environments in forests. So our DNA, just how our bodies function, we are predispositioned to work better in this kind of environments. It's our natural habitat. But recently we've moved to cities for certain reasons, social, economic, political. But it actually, our physiology is still the same. So even though we're trying to fit into a natural environment, our nature is still there and it makes us crave these environments. It's important to know on top of mindfulness why the forests are so important, why it's not like meadow bathing or parks. Still there is benefit from parks is the chemistry in the air. So as Gary said, when the trees are connected in a forest, in ancient woodland, they produce the signals that they send through the roots, but also through their outside of the ground branches and leaves. They produce chemicals called phytoncides, which ward off disease. 
and they send this message across the forest, like the wind carries it, and so the whole forest knows if there's like some insect or something eating it um, at one end. Uh, but these fighting sites, and Dr. Ching Li from Japan, he was saying that 50% of the benefit from forest bathing comes from these phytoncides sites because they boost our NK cells, which is part of our immune system, and they affect our physiology very in a very good way. Um, and so for us, it's also important to know that it's not just that you are looking at something and producing physiological effect or psychological effect. There's actually a chemical reaction happening in your body as you bathe in the atmosphere of this forest. So yeah, just That's fascinating. Thinking. So we're taking that in just being here through the air, basically. Breathing it, yeah. uh, also through your skin. So if you have bare skin, mm. sometimes you can even lick your lips after you've been in the forest and you will taste it Yeah, oh, wow. on, your, on your lips. There are two cases where you can taste it more or feel it more. 30 degrees Celsius, it's where our bodies are able to metabolize chemicals better, but also where trees produce more of these chemicals. And also after the rain, because what rain does, first of all, it's moisture so it's like a diffuser you know through the moisture you get more chemicals into your system but also what it does uh, the chemicals fall into the ground and they get locked into the dry soil so now they are like in the soil and if we want to release them we need to dig underneath the surface but once the rain falls it actually releases the chemicals from the soil into the air and so this air that you breathe in it's um, full of aroma after the rain and that's what you get actually part of the chemicals. That's fascinating. Have you got something to add to that Gary? I have, it's one of my favourite subjects. Because I can see you squirming with excitement and I don't want to deny you. Thank you, I much appreciate it. Pleasure. So in January this year we published a paper with the University of Derby in Sheffield so it took us about three years but we managed to get the University of Sheffield out into a semi-ancient natural woodland last summer with uh, gas chromatography and mass spectrometry equipment which is the equipment you need to analyse the forest air chemistry. Because up until that point, as far as we know, nobody had been analysing the air in England and the UK forests for health purposes. And of course we want to know, have we got the same type of chemical composition as Japan, where there's potentially this connection between uh, the air chemistry and the immune system? because of course there's lots of application to society if you understand that you've got that. So the good news is that we have now confirmed that in semi-ancient woodland in England and the UK that there are a number of chemical compounds that you wouldn't find in a garden for example because the control environment was the University of Sheffield garden so there's a lot more um, chemicals in a forest which of course isn't a major surprise when you consider there's a lot, lot more biodiversity in a forest so that's replicated in the air chemistry and a number of the chemicals they found have known potential health benefits so our next step then is to, to start measuring participants to see if those health benefits are translating. But they sampled the air for two hours, which is the length of the sessions that we typically run. So the conclusion from that was in a two-hour session, potentially you are inhaling enough of these chemicals to get a benefit. The bad news on the study was that some of the chemicals that they um, identified, there's very... 
They're known to be in a group that has potentially beneficial effects, but very little research has been done on them to understand what they do. So we solved one mystery and we uncovered a number of other mysteries, and that's kind of the, the story of the research we're doing with universities. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, so the next stage is to look into those chemicals, I guess. Yeah, Yeah. so the, the research we're now looking at is, is looking at... Um, getting funding for blood research, cortisol. We're looking at hypertension. But just in the last couple of weeks, we've um, had some very exciting news on the funding front. So we're now putting together some studies that that could be up to sort of £200,000, which would enable us to help a good number of people in the process, but also gather a good volume of data that would be relevant to the NHS and others. Amazing. Thank you. Should we just talk a bit about about the training as well? Yeah, so... We've developed a system really based on the research that we've done and the research in Japan and South Korea and also our experience as yoga teachers, mindfulness teachers and our own experience in being in forests. So we've developed a program where it's um, six to 12 months, depending on how fast you go. And we start with introduction to mindfulness and meditation because we really feel if you're gonna guide people in a forest, you first need to be able to slow yourself down. So in a way you can't lead people to that place if you yourself are a bit out of balance. So for the first six months of the training, guides learn how to to practice mindfulness for themselves and then also lead people into the mindfulness relaxation exercises and then the next six months is we add nature on top because nature there are so many things like as a participant you probably would just be enjoying yourself that would be the ideal scenario but for us as guides we would be looking at different risks um, different situations where we need to change the route or change like you know what we're doing reactions of the participants as well as part many of our team have um, mental health first aid training because sometimes the reactions come up very quickly and we need to know how to deal with them So there are lots of things added on top. So for the next six to 12 months, our students learn the theory, learn different benefits and science behind how things work, and also attempt and start doing their practice sessions in nature where they learn about the risks, learn about managing groups and leading sessions in different environments. So we do encourage different exploration of different environments. Many of our students are doing sessions in parks as well, because it's not only about forests. You can have some benefit from parks or even gardens. So don't be limited to ancient woodland. If you have it, it's great. But if you only have a tree outside your house, still it can be beneficial. So that's our training program. It's, as I said, six to 12 months. And usually it's a journey of exploration. We say that you always go in and then you think that you are just going to be leading people. But then you find out that you are actually first healing yourself and going through things for yourself. And it's ongoing. It doesn't ever stop. We've been doing it for years and we're still find every time we go into nature something else beautiful comes up and what about your journeys towards this little caterpillar coming towards you there are a few of them it's about time of the year apparently Amy's being attacked by a caterpillar it was touch and go for a moment but I think we're all right (laughs) it was coming straight for you Amy (laughs) and (laughs) note how I didn't even move you were being attacked I just didn't move I was frozen I was in fight flight freeze um yeah what about your journey to this 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Yeah, so unlike Gary, I think I probably wouldn't be in very different situation if not for my own struggle with mental health. So mm. pretty much from the age of 14 up to the age of 21, I was struggling with mental health. So depression, anxiety, panic attacks. And I was living in London, so I was enjoying the life of a teenager in London, really feeling the buzz of the city, um, you know, and nature was always at the background. Everyone was talking that nature You need to go into nature, breathe fresh air. And I kind of thought, yeah, well, I go like, maybe on the weekend. It doesn't matter. But as my mental health started getting worse and worse, and sometimes maybe someone who has panic attacks would understand, sometimes you go out of your door and you can't move, you can't mm. do anything, you think you're going to faint. And when you get to that point, I realized, and I was on medication, I was already doing things, but things progressively started getting worse. And for me, it was really a point of, do I want to carry on living like that? Or do I actually want to change things? And it came to me that I really have to, you know, start looking at some other ways to look after myself. I started meditating and then in 2000. 14, I met Gary and he started taking me into nature and I started remembering how I was when I was a child back in Russia and I would spend three months in a countryside house away from technology. We had like, now they call them ecoloos, but it was really like just a bucket there. <laughs> uh, we sometimes wouldn't have water. We wouldn't have hot water. If we needed hot water, we would heat things up, no heating or anything. But that's when I felt happiest and I realized going into nature when I met Gary it was difficult for me to reconnect it felt like the connection was so broken that it took me so much discipline and I really appreciate when people come to our sessions sometimes for the first time it's really difficult once you've broken that connection for years and and for me it was years for many people it's years until you then maybe get your family and you're going out with your uh, little ones but when you are like young adult and that's why you, there are so many problems with mental health now with young adults because most young adults don't go out if we now look at who's going out into forests we'll probably not find many young adults but for me it was a life-saving practice and I even wrote an article for a journal saying how I do know that nature saved my life because meditation was good but it wasn't yet cutting it for me the only thing that was able to bring me out of my thoughts out of my troubled you know stressful mind where even doctors were unable to help me and it was a very scary place was nature and now for me it's something that I just feel so drawn to because of 
how it makes me feel, but also as a result out of this passion for how nature helped me. I want to protect it. I want to share it with other people, especially young adults who I think need it very much these days. Um, and just share about the benefits because it's there for us and it's always been there. And it's not that nature disappeared. Yes, we made it disappear, but we made ourselves disconnect from it. And it was always there, it's still there. And if you feel like maybe things are difficult for you, just go and sit by the tree and see how you feel. And it's very difficult still for me to talk about it because I do know still people who are at a point where they're thinking of ending their life. Mm. And I just wish it could reach some people out there who are at this point and make a difference, hopefully. First of all, thank you for sharing you know, your story and for sharing what nature's done for you. And also, it's so nice I come across so many people that when they've found something that works for them, they want to share it with other people because it's your own, like you say, it saved your life. And now you're, you know, what you're doing in your lives is potentially saving other people's lives. And that's just wonderful. I mean, that's really what the world's about, really, is just trying to help others spread peace and joy. You know, and that's just lovely. And I think when you share your own story, you know, people, when they really hear that, you know, they think, wow, this you know, this is what happened to this person and look what it's done to her life. You know, that's mm. people really relate and think, God, that could do it for me. Mm. I know? really hope so mm. because I know I was in a place where I was told that I would have to stay in at least A4 of medication for the rest of my life mm. and I would probably never be a part of social community, never be able to fly or always will have to be taking care of myself. Mm. And knowing that I'm here now sharing it with so many people makes me humble, you know, and it's not me, it's nature. Mm. And I'm just sharing about how beautiful it is, how many other people do as well. And I just hope that more people know about it, younger people as well, before it's too late. And I suppose I think of younger people because they're, they're surrounded by sort of technology constantly and social media and things like that. And none of these things really come with any sense of nurture or a natural rhythm. It's all sort of modern stuff that I don't think is that safe, really. Mm. You know, do you get a lot of young people coming? We do get some interest from younger people from our funded sessions with charities mm. and who do come, who do take time to come, feel it big difference so it does make an impact for those who come but I think because there is lack of education and generally it's not seen as something that you would do if you are struggling with your mental health that the education is not yet there and that's why we're trying to spread awareness and mm. working for example we are part of pilot social prescribing in Surrey and hoping to expand it to Sussex and other counties because I think if I knew for example when I was in my situation that nature could help thankfully I did through Gary I would have done it earlier because at that point I would have tried anything mm -hmm. really. And I think that the more we can get the message out there, the more forest bathing, nature therapy can become part of the NHS, of our educational system, of mainstream, like for example, yoga. So many people are now practicing yoga or meditation, the more it can help people. Mm. And I think nature, it's so unique because again, Yoga might not work for you because of your body limitations. Mindfulness, for me at the time, I really struggled because of my anxiety and constantly thoughts in your head 
but just going into this nature environment, the green, the blue, the colours, it just helps you. Yeah. Well, it was like you, I heard you say about the parasympathetic, you know, yeah. it's very hard if your nervous system's running at 100% fight or flight or freeze. You know, sometimes mindfulness is really tricky mm. if, if someone's in that state. But being in a, an environment like this is so calming. I would imagine the parasympathetic does rise up and you yes. just feel your nervous system calming you know i feel my exactly. nervous system calmer since walking in here however long ago it was so yeah. it f- seems to sort of penetrate through into the nervous system and you don't really have to do anything that's the beauty you don't have to you know count anything or you know pull your attention and when you are very tired of like if you're suffering with serious mental health issues it can be very exhausting to always try to find a solution mm. and sometimes you just want to sit and be able to relax and not have thoughts constantly running in your head and you can just come into nature just sit don't have to strive to be anywhere to do anything just sit there and it just does its work that's the magic of it and uh, i suppose final question is what are your hopes and what are your aims goals for the future for forest bathing so for me i'm very passionate about working with younger people really from the school age or even before that so for me it's important to get what we do first into hopefully the nhs but also into the government and part of the educational system so educating younger people because i definitely can see a crisis is already here in terms of younger people's mental health and we are not really taught many techniques of coping as younger people and there is such a big resource out there for them so putting forest bathing into the health and educational system in this country and then hoping to spread it to other countries as well as well as a consequence of that i think another dream of mine is to give rights to trees and i know it sounds a bit weird but i don't mean you know human-like rights but rights for existence that they're they're not just as a material for us as something that we we can use but actually they play a part like we do on this planet as part of our lives and we should be able to protect them just because they need to be here. I don't think that sounds weird. Do you think that sounds quite sensible, to be honest? Yes. And and what about yourself, Gary? We have two goals. Yeah. Explain the, the science and the benefits and the importance of these places to our health, about preventative health care and mental health to keep us all healthy and happy. And at the same time, yeah, reaching people's hearts to be part of the future solutions. Because if you just look at it from a biodiversity loss, there's a race against time. And of course, you can look at it as a race against time from a lot of perspectives. But the most important thing is, if our story demonstrates anything, is that one or two people can make a huge difference. So if we put our hearts into it, others hear us. And so we can make a big impact. So it, nature just needs more of us mm. to believe in ourselves and um, follow what we feel called to do. And then a lot of people will support us along the way. I really want you to appear on Good Morning America. I don't know why, I just can see it. You know what I mean? I can see it happening. It's just like the perfect story for American morning TV. Thank you. You know what I mean? We're in a British woodland with Gary and Olga. Maybe I'm having a premonition. Well, they are our focus at the moment because we're in the process of firing Harvard (gasps) up this week. Maybe I've had a premonition. Thank you so much. It's just been wonderful talking to you. And I do, I feel different after being here for an hour. Mm. And that's not the caterpillar attack. 
that happened. Newton's always hits the spot, but we're obviously very grateful for your interest because, yeah, you've obviously inspired a lot of people, so it's important that we're all talking about these things and raising awareness, so thank you very much. Just like Olga was saying, just want to try and help people. Thank you, Will, for taking time because it is important. The more we share, really, and I'm going to re-quote Greta Thunberg. She says, we are either ignorant or evil, and I would like to believe that we are just ignorant, and I hope that the more that we learn, the more we can help ourselves and the planet that we are part of. Thank you. Thank you. So... As you can hear, dear listener, my nervous system was relaxed. I was breathing in healthy forest air. Amy had survived a caterpillar attack. It was, to be honest, it reminded me of War of the Worlds. I was concerned, not just her well-being, but her livelihood and her life. We all survived and I was ready to learn some of what happens in a forest bathing session. One of the things that we encourage people to do is, so you want to give people plenty of their own time in a forest bathing session. So you're basically starting the session off holding their hand a bit more tightly, trying to guide them to feelings of serenity and peace and connection to the forest. But once those feelings have started to emerge or become more apparent, then we're all better off doing their own thing because we're instinctively connected to these environments. So we give a lot of, obviously, respect to the people that are with us that they know best how to look after themselves. So one of the invitations that we might say is, well, just see if you feel called in a certain direction to explore in the forest or see if there's a tree that kind of speaks to you more than others. And more often than not, people report incredible things when, yeah, feeling called to certain trees, maybe um, helping them relate to something going on in their life and all, all kind of manner of things. Mm. Are there certain things that you might be saying whilst we're in this area that to give like, people an idea? Or... So another part of the forest bathing is teaching people about themselves and in this particular instance how their body works. So the exercise is called Deer's Ears. So what you want to do is place the palms of your hands behind your ears. Yes, if you've got, doing it, if yeah. you've got long hair, move it out of the way first. Yeah. And there's a sweet spot, so you want to move the ears just very slightly forwards. Not all the way forwards, but in the middle, you'll find that it actually amplifies what you can hear. Yes, I'm doing it with one, yes. So now what you've given yourself is directional hearing. So the direction you're pointing is where you pick more sound up because you're restricting it from behind. Yes. So if you wanted to hear the birdsong more vividly... You put your hands behind your ears, slightly cupping them forwards, and then point your head up into the canopy, and you've now amplified the volume. Like a deer. Like a deer. Gary then took me a few paces over to a hawthorn tree to learn a forest bathing technique that used my sensation of touch. We're looking at this sort of quite slim tree, leaning to the right with a lot of moss on. Gorgeous. So I'd say if you want to touch this bit here... Which is um, so where it's a bit sort of shaggier because it's yes. a bit like a sort of thick carpet yeah, for moss in this area. Yeah, very thick moss on this tree. So I was studying papers on the sense of touch and what happens when we hold somebody's hand or hug someone. And so the papers was, were saying, well, when we're hugging someone or holding their hand, what's happening inside us is the love hormone oxytocin is being released into the brain. So this is obviously part of why we feel more connected and bonding. So when we're holding someone or hugging them or kissing them, then it's releasing the love hormone. And so literally there's this chemical reaction where love's becoming stronger and stronger. So there's an application here if we're talking about protecting the environment, because we don't tend to protect what we don't know. And we certainly protect what we love. Yes. So on a forest bathing session, 
we're encouraging people to touch nature and get to know nature better and this chemical reaction as they're touching the trees or because in this case i feel the moss very soft and relaxing yeah can feel a bit like a pet's hair but it's very sort of calming mm. and therapeutic quality to it so i'm appreciating and there's obviously gratitude for being here so probably there's some of the oxytocin being released and i'm forming a stronger connection to nature and loving it more because yeah. that's what's happened after running hundreds and hundreds of sessions my love and appreciation of nature just grows and grows and grows. There's no ceiling to how much yeah. we can love and appreciate these environments. And it just gets better and better and better and better. And then, yeah, of course, if we've got a stronger feeling of connections and love for nature, then that's where our hearts can get involved in be us being part of the solution. So that's how we see the whole circle happening. That makes sense as well. That really does make sense. It's very logical. Yeah, it is. So obviously if you're gardening and, and things and touching plants, oh, these, touching, yeah. these things can be happening by themselves without us knowing but we can also do it in a mindful way and be a bit more involved in the process and lastly we went to a clearing where participants would take part in a meditation right gary where are we we seem to be in a sort of well it feels almost sort of sacred like here mm. there's an oak tree here which is enormous and being supported by you is that right yes um, and do you do meditations in this area? We do. And this is, you could say, our iconic meditation spot. What form does the meditation take? How does it work? So we, we took the term from the Woodland Trust Trelaxation. is a popular term for it. So we give people the option of uh, laying down on a blanket that they brought with them or leaning against a tree. And then we do a, it's called a body scan. So it's an element from mindfulness so something you might encounter from an NHS mindfulness session. So just moving through the body and paying attention. And then we build up to everybody uh, opening their eyes and looking up into the tree canopy. So seeing the sunlight streaming through. That tends to be a crowd pleaser. It doesn't matter what age you are. As you can hear, on a, on a sunny day, there's wondrous bird song here. Sometimes it, it sounds a bit like the Amazon when they get closer. So everybody loves this place and we are in a very rare um, example of an ancient yew tree grove. So Newlands Corner is one of the top ancient yew forests, top three ancient yew forests in the UK. So that was my forest bathing experience uh, and I came away feeling really very relaxed and connected to nature and I've taken it forward into my little garden here in London and I sort of bathe in my garden. Um, who knows what the neighbours think. Uh, I'd really like to hear about your experiences with nature. Uh, has it helped you? Have you only just started trying to form a relationship with nature? Do you live in a rural environment or do you have just a small garden because you live more in a city? Or do you go to a local park? Anyway, let me know if any of that resonated with you. Maybe even the caterpillar attack. The contact details I'll give to you on how to get in touch after we hear this week's correspondence. Uh, you've been in touch. Hello, Will. Your podcast is fabulous. Help for people struggling every day. Well, thank you. Thank you, Will, for shining a light on mental health awareness. It's my pleasure. I mean, I just, you know, all I want is a knighthood. Hello, Will. My daughter's been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and complex PTSD, uh, like me. It's so hard to find support for her and for myself to support her. Yes, I'm sure. And it's scary for her and I feel so useless at times. Oh, dear. Thanks for doing an episode about it. It means a lot. There are some really good things, by the way. If you go on uh, the Mind website, very good charity, Mind, they have some really interesting suggestions on how to support someone who has 
complex PTSD or borderline personality disorder. So maybe that maybe that will help you. And and sometimes uh, there's a thing called sort of meet up, and sometimes people set up groups, um, you know, for all sorts of things. So if you just Google meet up groups for parents with children with complex PTSD or borderline personality disorder, that might help. But thank you for getting in touch. And this is from Instagram. Thank you for the episode on borderline personality disorder. It described myself completely. Well, that's my pleasure. Thank you for getting in touch. This is how you do it. Email hello at wellbeinglabpodcast.com, Twitter at The Wellbeing Lab, Instagram and Facebook at The Wellbeing Lab Podcast. Next week, it's communication in relationships. Oh, it's a good one. Now, this is important because uh, otherwise we can't continue doing this. If you like the podcast, do give us a rating or share it with a friend. Maybe leave a review. It helps. People see it and they think, oh, I like them. We're going to give them some money so they can continue. Um, thanks for listening. And you've got this far... You get to hear an outtake. <laughs> if you've got this far, you get to hear an outtake from the forest bathing session. Um, in this clip, we'll demonstrate the magic of audio editing. Goodbye. If you think about us as species, we've only been in cities for a couple of hundreds years. We'll, we'll ignore this plane. Oh. We'll wait for the plane. Bloody planes. Yeah. So typically, like, no plane noises. Yeah. And then I was just hearing it's <laughs> coming. It does happen. We are happen. on the Gatwick flight path, yeah. so there's yeah. kind of every five One minutes. The but there's a joke, because I record this, Amy does it from home, and I do it from, I've got a little studio in my attic, but you can hear the planes, so it's just an ongoing yeah. joke. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Did you know the Wellbeing Lab is produced by Audio AF and is part of the Acast Creator Network? It's true. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.